Out of the infinite choices you have, I'm honored you've decided to press play. With gratitude and humility, welcome to the top brand builders. Just to get started, like, yeah, can you give me an intro about like your name and like what you do? Because I want to know what you do, man. Cool. Yeah, my name is Evan, and I I think I try to answer this question to my dad at least once a quarter, maybe more often. He's, at, he's like, what do you even do? I'm like, well, you know, I, I try to lay it out. And then like midway through, I'm like, do I even know what I do? And and sometimes I feel confident in what I do, and other times I don't feel so confident in what I do. Uh, well, let me say in explaining clearly what I do. So I'll give it my best shot. I... Currently, I'm helping people with something to say, leverage content online. So people with something to say, as defined by, by me, is likely somebody who's already creating content. They don't need the motivation to create content. It's like that's their sweet spot. And then they don't quite know what to do with it or how to leverage it to feed their revenue engine that they have on the back end. So mm. I, I also tend to enjoy working with people and their better agreements whenever somebody has a solid revenue engine running and I don't have to step in and help them create a business model as a part of their marketing strategy. Uh, that typically gets uh, doesn't go well for either party. So I, I like working with people who have a solid revenue engine, are already creating content, just looking for ways to leverage the content that they're creating on a regular basis. Would, okay, I'm making videos. I hire you. How do you take my game to the next level? Yeah, so I'd start by asking a lot of questions, like where are you sharing the videos? Who are you trying to get to hire you? Where are those people spending their time? Uh, can we leverage the videos that you're creating in blog form and uh, mm. written form? Like how can we take the work that you're already doing it doing? And splice it up to work harder for you than just one video at a time. Nice, nice, cool. Which I think kind of the Gary, the Gary V playbook a little bit. Uh, sure, yeah, yeah. I he couldn't have invented this, but he definitely popularized it. <laughs> right, right, right. For sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's kind of common sense. It's just he's the one that's been yelling it over and over again. So yeah, I guess he, maybe he gets credit, but uh, for sure, that's awesome. So bro, yeah. how'd you get into this? Like, what, tell me a little bit about your backstory. Cause this is a, uh, sounds like kind of a, uh, a type of role that you invented almost. It's just, you saw uh, a little opportunity here and it fit your skill set. but you don't, this doesn't happen overnight or just you graduate college and you just fall into a role like this. So give me the backstory. Sure, sure. So I was working for a nonprofit organization that sold curriculum to churches around the country uh, out of college. So I got hired there in 2013, and I was managing three or four stay-at-home moms who were making sales calls out of an Excel spreadsheet. We'd meet at Starbucks once a month, once a, once a week, and review their calls that they were making. And this was, I, I did this same job contractually through college. So this organization would send me a spreadsheet. Hey, these, keep, these people came to our conference last year. Work your way through it. Call all these people. Mark yes, no's, and didn't answers. And report back. 
like hourly rate didn't matter how many calls i made whatever it's like okay cool it's like a fun way to make some money in high school i believed in the organization so it wasn't like super horrible work Uh, it wasn't a product i didn't believe in and i think i made it like six months and was like this is not for me I, (laughs) i this is miserable and so i had talked to this other organization, was going to go work for them. My boss was like, hey, would you be open to trying this other thing called Infusionsoft, like some automated digital marketing? And I was like, sure, that sounds like something that would be useful to me, uh, whatever my next job is after this, because I didn't see myself being there very long at that point, but I'd given it a shot. I... Jumped into Infusionsoft. The organization hired a consultant to come in and teach me everything that that consultant knew, which included paid Facebook advertising in 2014, which was like a wild time to be running Facebook ads. It was nuts. The uh, cost per lead was just uh, so low. And the, the product we were selling had a really high margin. And we knew exactly who our audience was. It's like a marketer's dream. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my boss, I told him about Facebook, and he was like, incredible person, incredible boss, was very into direct mail. And like that's how he made his living in marketing for 40 years. I, I should be kinder. Probably like 20 or 30 years, not 40 years. <laughs> and he was like, this just seems too good to be true. Like nothing like this is possible in business. You're telling me we have this thing where you're going to go get leads for $2. We're going to spend $50 marketing to them and emails and whatever. And then we're going to close a thousand dollar product for a year subscription. And they'll likely renew for two or three years. He's like, that is just too good to be true. Turns out it it was. It only lasted a little bit of time, but we leaned into it while it was there. This is a very long-winded answer. Is this okay with you? No, this is cool. I like it. This is is a journey. (laughs) So I started doing this uh, as my day job. So paid social to an automated email funnel using Infusionsoft, which is now called Keep. I think they were one of the first to this like automated email sales journey. And when people would ask me what I did for a living, I would tell them that. And they would say, oftentimes at this point, could you do that for my business? Mm. I was like, well, yeah. And at the time I was dating somebody named Grace, who's now my wife. I'll spoil that story. But I I wanted to save up for an engagement ring. So every dollar I made from the side business was put towards saving up for an engagement ring, which... I've found whenever you're working towards something, you have like an inherent motivation for it. It makes work just more enjoyable too. It's like I was very motivated to buy that ring. And that's how I started Uplink. I I started a business called Uplink Marketing. Did that on the side. And then in 2018, October of 2018, two days ago, uh, like October 18th, 2018, I quit my job. My wife quit her job. We bought an RV, and we traveled around the country for eight months. Uh, and th- that while, while since working? Then, yeah, since then, this has been our, our sole source of income as a family. Sick. Yeah, this is cool. a long journey. 
to get to this place. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good lesson. I mean, it doesn't happen overnight. But um, going back to the Facebook ads, I'm curious about it, like a very specific thing. As far as creative goes, was there certain things that you saw worked better than others? Or was it simply like it was just whatever you put up? It, like, Talk to me a little bit about the actual creative. Yes. So I worked with an incredible designer at the at the organization. Him, his name is Hudson, and I would typically request eight graphics like to test. And this was before the the ads manager had moved into where they optimized on its own on, on its own which graphics were better for your audiences. So mm. we were uploading all eight, doing a different campaign for each of them, and comparing results, and then letting the one or two top ones run after that. Oftentimes, it was the the uh, Facebook also of note had a twenty five percent text graphic rule at that time. Like your your text mm. on any image or graphic could not be more than twenty five percent, and videos didn't uh, weren't they what they were today? Like if we put a video out, it didn't seem to have any bigger impact than just putting a graphic out that had some appealing offer on it. Uh, the word free went really far back then, mm. um, and then exactly our our product which was free curriculum we'd do a free trial of Mm. the curriculum and we just needed those two words on a graphic with a link to our site and maybe a little story like a captivating story in the in the copy above it um oftentimes the best looking from a design point design standpoint did not do the best it was like just the simplest plain color thing at the time was working better than than the the design stuff Hmm. because you think it had like a a ugc type quality to it or why do you think that was that's a very interesting question we never figured out or like came up with an answer i don't even know how i I would have come up with an answer to it um but that's a really good theory sick man okay that's a that's a heck of a way to cut your teeth and just get experience and i love the idea of uh yeah the the whole facebook ads or just ads in general it's an awesome concept um i feel like i I haven't had the courage to like really experiment because it seems like it's a great way to burn through a lot of cash really quickly where do you think it stands today A, a great way to burn a lot of cash quickly uh, in the same way, I mean, every major advertiser has a, a pretty sizable budget allocated to the platform. So that wasn't the case when we were playing around on it. Uh, it was it new, and so a lot of budget was still being spent on traditional media outlets. And and so just the more money that gets pumped into something, the more expensive that real estate gets. So. I would yeah. say the real estate is low. Targeting, honestly, has gotten a lot worse, and I think that's for good reason because it's privacy concerns. So Facebook's right. done a pretty good job of handling privacy concerns at their own, at the expense of their bottom line, uh, essentially, is, is how I view it. So, um, yeah. I'm going to ask some more, some more broad questions, but while we're in the kind of tactical, I am curious. I've heard other people... Th- talk a little bit about it from your perspective i'd be curious about what does linkedin remind you at all of what facebook was back in 2014 
LinkedIn. So I'm I'm going to break it down into two categories, maybe as you ask this, like a, a paid and organic. Paid LinkedIn, I have no clue. Uh, I've, I think I've run one campaign that was not successful, and I don't know whether that was it being our first, Uplink's first campaign on the platform and just not knowing enough about it yet, or that the audience just isn't ripe for ads on the platform. I'm not sure which it was. Um, and so in that sense, I think the paid, that LinkedIn is nowhere close to what Facebook was like in, in 2014. Uh, organic, I never really messed with organic social media back in 2014. Um, based on what I've heard about Facebook back then, LinkedIn seems to be close to, with one little, uh, caveat, LinkedIn seems to be that for individuals, not companies. So Mm -hmm. like Facebook could start a business profile and the organic reach on posts in 2014 was massive for Mm -hmm. a business profile. You didn't need an individual behind that business. LinkedIn business profiles seem to be throttled significantly and individual profiles seem to get quite a lot of traction, though I think that's going down by the day and i think that's the just the nature of them creating something good uh, is that real estate again gets more expensive you got to create better content you got to connect with more people and it's just gonna i I think continue to head in that direction um I, i i wrote a post yesterday like impressions today are cheaper than they'll be tomorrow and a dollar today is worth more than a dollar tomorrow so like yesterday was the time to launch your uh, thing on LinkedIn or whatever mm. ad campaign you have. Uh, and if not yesterday, then today and, and kind of so on creating scarcity. It's kind of like a marketing principle is you want to create scarcity. Is anybody harming themselves if they over post quantity versus quality? I think I'd like to, st- to start this answer by saying my confidence level and my opinion on this is like 60%. So I wouldn't, if I were listening to myself tomorrow, I'd find some nuances in whatever I'm about to say and respond to you that I probably will like disagree with or be like, oh, you should have like really nailed that point home. So I haven't, for sure. All that to say, I haven't spent a ton of time thinking about this question and I I want to. So I wrote it down. It seems like people who know what they want to do, like what the end goal of their content is, let that guide the answer to that question. So somebody, I'm not sure if you follow like a Matt Barker. Do you follow Matt Barker on LinkedIn? Uh, I have recently, I think, because you commented or liked something. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. He's like blown up in no time and probably... I. I'm going to exaggerate it, so I want to acknowledge that. I don't know how many times a day he posts, but I believe it's more than one. I love podcasts because they keep me honest. I'm like, if I say something, it's on record. and you got to be honest, man. So I'm like pulling back my exaggerations. Uh, somebody like him who's just obsessed with growth, like his, I think he states this in his posts. Like, I'm addicted to growth. Hmm. He probably can't post enough as far as quantity goes uh 
And at one point, I read a post of his that says he's numb to the response that he gets on a post. Doesn't care if it does good. Doesn't care if it does bad. Doesn't care if it's like he thinks it's great. Doesn't care if he thinks it sucks. He's like hmm. disassociated. My my interpretation of that is he's disassociated his LinkedIn profile with him as a human being, which I think is probably like a good step, whether you're posting once a year or five times a day. Like that seems to be like a healthy mindset to go into it with. So I I took that nugget from him to say, oh, okay, I quantity it, it may not actually matter what are you trying to do and and maybe that actually matters more than the consistency with which posts are appearing another way to put that on the opposite end of the spectrum working with three clients right now who are like adamant they do not want to post more than once a week because they don't want to put noise in their network's feed it's like we'll show up once a week We'll post whatever you guide us to post, but we I, we'll, we're gonna pay you your normal rates. Like in our rates, it's like oh, you know, like three three posts a week for this amount, and they're like we don't care. We'll we'll pay you whatever your rate is for however many posts it is, and we're not gonna post more than once a week. And it's working for them. They're reaching their network, and they don't really care to reach beyond their network. And it, like the growth isn't their strategy in the slightest. They just want to reach the people who are in their network with something that keeps them top of mind because they've got a business or service where they are the service or the, the end product. So I think for people like that, you could go either way, but you've got to be active. Oh, this is this is something. It seems as though the key there is being as active on other people's posts. So I'm pulling from Matt again. I think he says comment on other people's posts 10 times more than you actually post yourself Mm. and that ratio i think would keep somebody honest in answering this question and maybe it's the key to answering the question if you're going to post once a week comment on other people's posts at least 10 times that week if you're going to post twice a day comment on other people's posts 20 times a day and that seems to be like a way to give and like get yourself out there in a, in a way that could accomplish what you're looking to accomplish. So I just worked myself. I think that would be my answer. If I listen to this again tomorrow, I'll be like, oh, yeah, that, that was it. I like that. Okay. Solid. Dude, I love that. Like external verbal processing. Just talk your way through it. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's, love it. Again, like pod, this is like podcast gold. Dude, just uh, <laughs> send me off on a rabbit trail. Uh, okay. Do you have questions on that one or should I jump to your your second question? I actually do have a question okay. off that. Um, I'm curious as to, it seems like with LinkedIn, how the personal profiles do better. How are you creating content for your clients that appears to be personal? Like what's your content creation process for a client look like? Yeah, great question. All of our clients are creating their own content. We're crafting or curating it. So we're not making up a story and posting it on our client's LinkedIn feed. It's like, uh, so our, our framework, if you will, we'll hop on Zoom for 45 minutes once every two weeks, and we're going to prep some questions. And I'm working with this guy, Tony Albrecht. 
I don't know if you've seen him on LinkedIn. Yep, yep. The creative, I, uh, what's his book? The creative something. Yeah, in the creative arena. Yeah, yeah. yeah Shout out yeah. Tony. Let's go. Yes. So him and I met on LinkedIn uh, back in like February, and he's guided much of my thinking around this. So we're working uh, together, and the way that, uh, I forget what got me on the Tony train. I believe it was asking questions. So the way that we're doing it, jump on a, a Zoom meeting, 45 minutes, prep some questions ahead of time, pull some stories out of you. Like everything mm. we do, we want to exist in some sort of story format where the beginning kind of creates some tension or makes you curious. Tension is typically the best way to make somebody curious. So create some tension, resolve it through the story. And if there's something of value or, or if there's information that the client wants to communicate, that's the context with which we communicate that information or that story uh, or whatever is going on in the business is, is more through a personal lens. And, and I think what we're doing, whether it's on LinkedIn or not, is just put words to what's going on in their life. And people tend to respond well to that. Really cool. Yes. Oh, there's another type of client to answer that same question, though. Somebody who's already written a book is like they've already done the work of those Zoom meetings. So we don't need to get on Zoom. Just give us your book. Or we'll go buy your book and then make underlines, pull stuff out, copy and paste. And like we'll just pull stuff from your book to show up on your profile, contextualized for what we're trying to do. Sick. <laughs> I love it, dude. That's an awesome. Uh, it's an awesome business. That's funny because um, I'm realizing now, part of like my filtering process almost if, is do go create video content with people that are already like okay being in front of the camera or like they're posting stuff themselves. So it's it's a similar realization I just had like recently. It's like, this is going to be a lot easier for people that want to be in front of the camera, but they might not have the time or the energy or the know-how to put package it all together. But that's, uh, that's an interesting little, yeah, uh, filter for who you might do business with. Cool. Yeah. I, well, you could just add one, one layer to everything I said, which is comfortable on camera. You could get people who have written a book and are comfortable on camera like if you, if you just have those two qualifiers uh create an option where it's like oh we'll take you take your we'll help you take your book content turn it into 60 30 second clips mm -hmm. that you can use on social media to to promote your book or not just to show up and like share information that would be yeah. a sweet offering i've been following you now for say a month or so i, I haven't seen you post anything about your services you know, like I, I have no idea what you do until now. Is that part of the game plan? Like what, how are you getting, is, is your content strategy um, integrated with uh, Uplink and like, what, what's your mindset around that? Yeah, I try to be interesting and generous and I try to be interesting by talking about things that are interesting to me. I stole that 100% from Tony Albrecht. And having that lens, I think, is the really only thing, really the only thing that's kept me showing up and posting stuff on LinkedIn. Like, I, I'm not tied to any sort of results from my post. So I'm likely different than a lot of my clients. Um, that being said, 
I'm trying to practice the very thing that I'm selling, which is to show up on a platform as yourself and to talk about things that are interesting to you and see what connections come of it. And you're going to attract the type of people that you want to be working with at that point. You're going to you're going to get somebody like Danny asking you to be on his podcast to share what he's actually doing and like find ways to work together with people that are being fun to work together. So my mindset there is totally just talk about things that interest you and be generous. Like give away information, don't hold your cards tight. Uh now there's probably some wisdom and discernment to be used in that second one. But overall, I I I'm not tied to I don't have any metrics I'm tracking from LinkedIn, like whether it's successful or not. Because one of my foundational metrics is becoming a better writer. And I feel like that's happening as I put stuff out on LinkedIn. So if I can become a better writer and nobody sees it, that's good enough for me right now. And I think that'll shift in the next five to 10 years uh, where maybe people will start hearing what it is that I'm doing at a certain point, but I'm not at that point yet. I love that, dude. That's the... That's like, that's kind of what my mindset too with these 30 day videos. It's like, I'm just trying to get better. And it's that systems mindset versus the goals mindset, the infinite game. Just like, I mean, yeah. Yeah. There is no metric that is enough. You're always going to want more. If you're judging the the metric, if you get a hundred likes, oh, okay. Well, I didn't get 200 likes, whatever. Like you're always going to want more, but if you just, yeah, improve, that's, yeah. I needed to hear that, you know, like that's, that's just one of those things. It's, it's a reminder, reminders of lessons that we've already learned. Um, well, bro, to, I want to talk to you. Yeah. Uh, to your point there, like I've listened to your stinking EP on Spotify from you doing the things you're doing. And I think so highly of you, <laughs> whether I'm liking your posts or not, I feel like if I, I, for this uh, podcast recording, I, I messaged you and was like, hey, man, could we talk for five minutes about my video camera setup for my office, like, as a part of this? It's like, you're going to provide me value. I hope to provide you value at some point in time. And, like, at the end of your 30 days, if if that's all that comes of it, you know, what a cool thing to do. Like, what a cool thing to come of it. Uh, and mm-hmm. not to mention... Like the systems that you're talking about, like that's good, but those systems actually are producing something at the end of the day too, uh, not to be missed. No, that's good. That's huge. Yeah. It's like a lot of the times, yeah, you put these things in like the top of the machine and you don't know exactly what's going to come out as a finished product or like, and it might not be what you expect, but Something good eventually comes out the other side if you keep having like good inputs and like whatever, a nice relationship or a, a business, a new business opportunity or whatever it is like, yeah. And even if you put bad inputs in, you get something bad out the other side, which is also very valuable information to have. True. True. <laughs> More painful, but valuable. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. I want to switch gears a little bit to a broader conversation. I'm interested in your LinkedIn bio. It's it's uh, marketing, 
spirituality, and self-discovery. And that right there is something you don't see a lot of on LinkedIn. Um, so that caught my attention right away. And I just want you to talk through a little bit about, yeah, your thought behind putting that and how those all kind of work together and just your your worldview, I guess, through, yeah, I'm just going to stop the question. I'm going to yeah. run with that. So there's those three things I identified last year as three major buckets of things that I'm interested in. So before it ever went on my LinkedIn profile, I had written down on my whiteboard, you know, pulled out my journal and like marketing, spirituality, self-discovery. These are things that I can find a thread to like earlier times in life that I, I showed an interest and I've spent time thinking about and learning about. And I see that thread moving forward as well, like not just the like, historical thread. It it became apparent to me, like as I'm turning 30, I'm starting to think in decades instead of years. And I was like, what do I want to be able to say I've focused on when I turn 40? Which part of this was this guy, uh, like my dad connected me to him. He successful in business, whatever he I got to talk to him around my 30th birthday. He was like, man, being 30 is really weird because there's no such thing as thinking like a 30-year-old. You're either thinking like a 20-year-old or you're thinking like a 40-year-old, and that's it. And so whether his statement is true or not, I got to look through that lens for a minute and say like, oh, decision that 20-year-old me would make is very different than decision 40-year-old me will be making. Which one of those do you want to lean into this decade? And that led me to, all right, let's start thinking in decades instead of years. So you've got a, you've got a decade ahead of you. You want to think about marketing, spirituality, self-discovery. Let's go. So I, I, I put it on LinkedIn. I started talking about things that are related to, to the three of those things. How I define marketing is uh, exploring the relationship between each other. So I think uh, like humans, psychology, getting to know how humans, humans behave, getting to know about personalities is very important to marketing. Like it's, it's foundational to any marketing. So I'm like, oh, that's how we relate to one another. Marketing. It's my definition now. How we relate to one another. Spirituality is how we relate to that which is, which is beyond us. So what I, I would say like is god or mystery or the universe or uh, typically whenever i talk to somebody if we talk about trying to define that word long enough we end up at very similar places i found so spirituality exploring that which is beyond us relating to that which is beyond us self-discovery is relating to that which is within us and so i was thinking about this journey i earlier today it's like I think the journey typically starts from the marketing place. Like we meet somebody and we want to get to know them more. Typically, as we get to get to know somebody else more, we need to they want to get to know us more, which means we need to know more about ourselves. So we go on this journey inward of self-discovery. And as of today, I'm convinced that a journey of self-discovery or or a journey inward leads to an arrival of exploring that which is beyond us. Uh, but it, but it starts by going inward that which is within us. Mm -hmm. Powerful. 
I like it. What have you done? What have you done that has helped you? How does somebody go discover their their inner their inner world? That's probably a great place to start. It's like that question. It's like mm. I, I think whenever we stop, uh, whenever we stop asking ourselves, whenever we stop asking other people that question, we start asking ourselves that question. It like kicks off the journey a, a bit. Uh, in my experience. Because I think nice. we, I think we know the answer. Like we don't yeah. actually need to rely on somebody to answer that for us. It's like, oh yeah, what what would it take to get me started on like an inward journey? And you just kind of sit with that, and it leads somewhere. I like that. Is there a clear time in your life that you decided to take this journey, or has it been just a slow? kind of walk my mom died when i was 21 so i'm i'm 10 years into this journey uh in december so we're approaching 10 years that is a very clear moment in time and yeah uh, my life how i view the world around me before and after that moment is very different Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, was there a silver lining or was there anything that you could take from that, all that sadness and pain that you could channel for, I don't know, um, good in the future? Yes, 100%. I, bl- I, I think my life's journey at this point is attempting to put that into words to share with other people. So like that question, if I could spend the rest of my life answering that question, saying the same thing in different ways, I would love to do that. So silver lining is a way to put it. Uh, Engaging with grief I see the cycle of life, death, resurrection everywhere. So my post today is about orientation, disorientation, reorientation, order, disorder, reorder, leaving the known, entering the unknown, returning home. Like this cycle, all of those to me say the same thing. And when my mom died, I left order and entered disorder. And... Disor- the the purpose of disorders is like in my mind the way that I view all of this it's not to get back to order it's not to like run back the other direction of where things were all okay like once you enter chaos by choice or by circumstances because like mine was by circumstances and some people do it by choice too and I admire those people and I aim to be one of those people. I'm working towards being somebody who enters disorder by choice because they know that all good things are on the other side of that. It's like, go do the hard thing. Don't hold on to what you think is your best life in this moment. Although, I'm like paradoxically, there is no other life that's in, other than this moment. So it's like, yeah, enter the chaos, go through it, 
and there seems to be a spaciousness and a love and a mystery, like a peaceful mystery, if I may, like one that's one where one becomes less concerned with solving the mystery and more concerned with relating to the mystery. That's all because of that journey that I went on when my mom died. Like I wouldn't have that without that. And it's a huge gift. I see my mom dying now as an incredible gift. One to be grieved and one to be sad about and also one to be so joyful about because we're all on the same journey in that sense. Losing her was the best preparation for my own death that I ever could have had. Wow. I mean, that's incredible perspective. Incredible. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of speechless. I'm kind of speechless. Um, spoken so eloquently. As a marketer, as a storyteller, somebody who's in the business of like telling stories via video, is that like an accurate way to say what you're doing? How do you put what you're doing? Does story make its way in there at all? Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm like you, man. I'm still trying to figure out exactly how to describe what I do. <laughs> I love it. I think that's yeah. great. Okay, Videos, so, yeah, content creation. Vi- emphasis on video. Yes. But, I mean, let's just say, like, have you, have you engaged with any Joseph Campbell? Are you familiar with Joseph Campbell? He's got the yep. hero's journey, leaving the known, entering the unknown much of my experience has aligned with his uh, exploration of the hero's journey through comparative religion. So, I mean, I just think as, as a storyteller, being able to identify those loops uh, is huge. And you likely do it unintentionally. I was having a conversation with somebody earlier about Cinderella and like I can't unsee the movie watching it as a dad now having gone through everything over the last decade I'm like that movie is totally a journey of the divine feminine being repressed and making its way to union with the divine masculine like it's way less about a girl marrying a boy and this journey within that we're all on of allowing the repressed things that we lock in the basement to come to the surface and become conscious of them. And I was like, I don't know that the the creators of that story meant for it to be interpreted in that way, but it's just within us. So whether we're trying to or not, we're telling these stories uh, that I'm talking about and that I've I'm experienced and, and that I'm describing. Yeah, that makes me think of like Jordan Peterson. He likes to talk about what like Pinocchio means. And like, that's a good question. Do these creators and authors, did they know what they were doing? Or is it just something so embedded in our DNA? I guess it kind of doesn't matter. Um, One thing I've thought about lately is as we enter the unknown for some reason, I always, my mind goes to worst case scenario of the unknown. And I'm trying to get better at that 
by thinking positively and optimistically, but I don't know if I necessarily have the tools or if I'm actually getting better at it. I say I want to get better at it. I don't even really know how to get better at it. Have you thought about that? And how do you get better at it? Hmm. So something that I'm starting with Tony is called Wilds and the Woods. And the woods and storytelling and otherwise are like representative metaphorically and literally of the unknown. And it seems to me two, there are two ways to get better at it. One is to be conscious of where we're at like physically right now. And then also like metaphorically on these journeys and, and also they seem to align in our lives in in weird ways and maybe more so in hindsight than in the very moment. One of the ways that I practice entering the unknown is, is actually just like going out into the woods. And it seems as though the more we spend times in the physical, spend time in the physical wilderness, the better we understand and are able to articulate and are able to engage with the metaphorical wilderness or the metaphor, mm-hmm. metaphorical unknown. And then the other is like just sitting down and spending time in silence. So silence to me and for much of my life was the unknown. Like it was not a place to be engaged with. And I'm a seven on the Enneagram. So facing fears, facing things that aren't exciting or existing with the lack of stimulation is an unknown state for me. So sitting in silence has also mm. been a way to, to practice entering the unknown. And I think we, we learn things uh, in those places. And I, I think this is why much of sp- spirituality, how people engage with spirituality is called practices. Like we get spiritual practices mm. for the very same reason. Like that's the answer I think to your question is like, Oh, we practice. Well, how do we practice? Well, they sit in silence, go walk in the woods say the same prayer over and over again a hundred times, take some discipline. Uh, you know, there are a, a bunch of ways, I think, to engage with that in the sense of spiritual practices, which I'm going to lean more that way because of my experiences. I don't know that mm-hmm. that's for everybody or that it would be meaningful for everybody. You know, you and I, I think we're both followers of Jesus. Are you a follower of Jesus? Is that, would that be your faith? Yes. Does it need a rebrand as a marketing guy? Does it need to be presented or packaged in a different way? Is his story being told effectively right now? I guess it depends on where you're listening. So I hesitate to criticize here uh, because I grew up. It's easy for me to criticize the way that this was presented to me as a child. I would not present, I would not repeat to my children the way that I was presented spirituality or religion or Jesus or Christianity. I hope to present that differently to my children. And I I don't mean that as a, as a criticism. I'm very grateful for my upbringing and the people that truly cared about me and spent time teaching me what they thought 
was the most important thing and in the, the way that they thought was the most important way. To, to really get at the root of what you're asking or to like, I think it just ha- it happens on an individual level, not anything greater than that. And so I typically lean into, you know, I like Jordan Peterson. I think he's fairly controversial and and, and maybe leans into that a little too heavy for me at times. And I definitely don't agree with everything he says, but there's nobody that I agree with everything they say. And typically I appreciate the way that he explores things, even if I don't agree. So that's like my Jordan Peterson caveat before anybody writes me off one way or the other. Um, it, it always seems to come down to individual responsibility with him. And I, that really makes sense. I'll just say that that's for me. Like, I'm like, yeah, there's nothing I can do about the way somebody else is responding or the way they're able to respond, which is my definition of responsibility. It's like our ability to respond. There's nothing I can do about somebody else's capability and how they're responding to what's presented to them. But I'm able to respond in a way. Like I have agency to respond with what's around me. And honestly, with that, like armed with that mindset or like looking through that lens, I engage with way less unhealthy or manipulative versions of Christianity than I did when I thought I needed to do something about it. It's like, I think I was a part of the problem whenever I thought that it needed to be changed. And I thought that I could do something about that changing And it seems as though I've stopped feeding that wolf and it's gotten smaller and now things seem more manageable and it's less about controlling the narrative of what it means to be a Christian and more about, you know, to use Jordan Peterson's language, like waking up in the morning and making my bed. Like, so that's kind of my response to that. I like that a lot. That makes a lot of sense. I, I I have had similar thoughts, but I hadn't taken it to the level you just took it. And I like that a lot. I like it a lot. I thought, okay, be the change. Be the change. But it's even more so. It's like stop focusing on whatever might you whatever little critique you have here or there. Just live it. Personal responsibility. Live it. Be it cool i'm always just interested man thanks for sharing that i'm always just interested in like because they say you know it's such a taboo topic don't talk about faith or politics and it's like if we want to wonder about the deeper questions in life like i think we got to talk about it right yes yes and i and i definitely think there's a spectrum there of healthy ways to engage in the conversation and unhealthy ways to engage in the conversation uh so this seemed like a healthy way to talk about it while actually right. like being and doing my, one of my, my favorite, I'll say my favorite, maybe that changes tomorrow, but I'll, I'll go with it today. My favorite organization is center for action and contemplation and their founder is Richard Rohr. And he says the most important words in that name are not action or contemplation. It's and 
Mm. It's like it is the connection between the two. It is not one or the other. And that seems right. Like it is it is the balance of being and doing combined where the magic happens. So it's like this conversation feels like being and doing because I'm responding to a question. You're asking the question. Like both of those are very doing things, but they they come from a place of like wanting the world to be a better place. And like mm. probably both of us have thought about that quite a bit outside of this conversation. Like we've, we've contemplated it. And this seems to be one of the ways that you and I think we can make that happen. It's like getting on a microphone with each other and talking about stuff. Yeah. Bro, I have absolutely loved this conversation and I love connecting with you, man. This is my favorite part about podcasts. I'm not <laughs> trying to grow an audience, bro. I just want to talk to cool people. Um, dude, what okay, last question here. Um what's something you want to leave the audience with? I mean, we just you just dropped like gems, bro, and uh they can pick those up for sure, but what haven't I asked that would just be a good way for us to close this out i mean somehow you've managed to ask me questions or i've managed to make your questions into (laughs) one of the two i think it's you asking me the questions that really hit at like what makes my heart beat and and i don't like have off the top of my head another question that you could ask to go deeper into any of those things or like something else I could say. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think you've done an incredible job like <laughs> pulling information and stories out of me. I am excited to put this interview like on my profile. It's like, go listen to this thing because I think mm. I talk about things that matter most to me in this conversation that we're having right here. Cool. Wow, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Anywhere you want people to go after they listen to this? To the woods. Go to the <laughs> woods. <laughs> to the woods. Yeah. Go to Sick. the woods. Wait, I'm okay, gonna so I'm gonna go to the woods. Yeah. yeah I'm inspired. Uh, that could be this could be a place to plug that thing. It's wildsandthewoods.com. Uh it's particularly for men and likely men between the ages of 25 and 40 who are experiencing whatever that thing is you were talking about with your job where you quit and you backpacked uh whatever i was talking about when i quit and i traveled the country in an rv tony is a part of founding this thing and he quit his law job like being an attorney and traveled eastern asia i forget Mm. exactly where for three years like in the Himalayas, met his now wife out there. Like we, anyways, I'll stop plugging it. Wilds and the woods. If you want to go to the woods physically and metaphorically, we're going to have some retreats in 2023. Sick. Love it. Evan, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening. If your business needs help with content marketing, photo, video, podcast, reach out at greenmedia.net. Until next time, remember, ain't nothing to it but to do it. Let's go.